college athletes became a separate class of individuals when it came to name, image, and likeness, or more broadly, rights of publicity. Everyone, including their colleagues on campuses around the country, could benefit from their publicity rights, whether they're an influencer, a musician, an artist, or just an individual who, ha who happens to have a lot of followers on social media. Uh, there's, there's no restrictions that prohibit that individual from earning money or whatever the market value is for that person's rights of publicity. And so I always looked at it as there never being any foundation for why we're singling out this class of individuals. friends, it's Kayla Moran and welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. How is everybody doing today? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, happy Thursday. I can't believe it's already mid-April. I really just want to know where the time is going, but today's a good day. I finally got my car back. Um, I think I mentioned it in a couple podcast episodes ago that I got into a car accident at the end of February. And today, April 12th, is when I finally got my car back because of the part shortage. Um, and it feels so weird to finally have my car back, but I'm also so happy because I've been really enjoying walking to and from school when there's been nice weather, get nice workout in. It feels really good, um, but I've been really limited in what I can do outside of walking to and from school because I've had to Uber everywhere. I've had to order delivery like grocery delivery, which limits what I can get and the quality sometimes of the produce and things like that. And so it's definitely been quite an adjustment period for the last month, month and a half. Um, but I'm, I finally have my car back just in time to go home for Easter, which is ironic. But it feels good to have my car back, especially since today is a really stormy, thunderstorm, rainy day. So it was nice to only have to Uber one way this time. Well, I mean, I had to Uber to go get my car too, but I Ubered to school this morning. Um, but yeah, I've been really good. I didn't get to tell you guys much about Barrister's Ball last week after it happened, but Barrister's Ball is law school prom, and we didn't get to have one my one all year because of COVID, and then last year, also because of COVID, we were pretty much fully remote um, or hybrid, depending on what class you were in. So we didn't get to have Barrister's the last two years, but we finally, last one, best one, first one, last one, best one, I guess, um, got to have Barrister's Ball, which was fun. It was really fun to get all dressed up, put on a gown and my prom heels and just have one night where we could just dance the night away. And I had a lot of fun. It was a lot more fun than I was expecting it to be. Um, as you know, I've been really struggling with being in law school and being, um, you know, here this semester and just never really made a lot of true friends in law school. So I really struggled with, you know, should I go? Will I have fun? But I'm glad that I went and I had a lot more fun than I expected to catching up with people that I don't normally see at school, seeing everybody all dressed up because we normally don't see each other, you know, in anything more than sweats or leggings. And it was a good time and I got some cute pictures, prom style photos. Go check them out on my TikTok if you haven't already. Um, it's linked in the show notes. And yeah, so things are good and you know, there's a lot going on that I can't wait to share with you guys. And I know I tease that every week, but this time I mean in my personal life. Um, I 
So Saturday night, this Saturday night that just passed was Black Shear, which is an annual scholarship gala hosted by the Black Law Student Association. It's a massive alumni event, and we raise money for a scholarship for one black student to come to UT Law. And one of my big goals in life as an alum is to provide a similar scholarship to a Latin student um, at this school, and that is something that I am working towards behind the scenes to make happen as an alumni. Um, this this gala has been going on for 22 years, so and he graduated back in 1970. So this it took a long time to establish. So I know that my feet is it's gonna be a while, but I really aspire to do that and get back to my community as well one day. And it was really inspiring to just be around um, Mr. Blackshear's family. Um, and hear his story and hear his legacy at this school and it was really eye-opening and heartwarming and it was really cool to to see so many alum come back and be supportive of such an organization and get to meet a bunch of alum and get to connect with professors and faculty that I haven't talked to in a while and connect with other students that I don't normally see and it was a really good evening and then I have a friend who has been my mentor since I was a second semester 1L who is now a judge in Memphis and we didn't get to chat too much during the event so we went to brunch on Sunday and it was so great to connect with him. He has truly seen my evolution both professionally and personally in the last two and a half years and it was really good to hear him and a couple other faculty speak so highly of me and feel so welcomed into the community as uh, an alum and as a lawyer soon to be and we got to talking and he challenged me quite a bit in that conversation at brunch just about my personal life and relationships and what I'm looking forward to in my life so my head's been spinning ever since and there's just quite a lot going on around here but all good things actually I'm in a really good place right now and it feels good to be able to say that and I'm excited to go home for Easter this weekend and we're going on a mini Bahamas cruise so I'm really looking forward to some sunshine and the ocean breeze and just relaxation because when I come back it's I have like a week and a half of classes left and then it's finals and then bar prep and then graduation and more bar prep so it's gonna be a whirlwind for the next couple weeks but I'm really looking forward to this weekend and I'm also really looking forward to this episode. My guest today is Darren Heitner. He is a lawyer. Um, he's in South Florida. He went to the University of Florida. He is a big time sports and entertainment law guy. He is all over LinkedIn, all over Twitter. You probably have seen him somewhere. Um, and he is someone that when I first realized I wanted to pursue social media law and entertainment law, I stumbled upon him because he is a known name in the sports and entertainment law fields and like I said he's all over LinkedIn and I connected with him on LinkedIn and I am so happy that I got to pick his brain. It's going to be a shorter episode because we only got to chat for like 30 minutes um, but I know you guys like a shorter episode here and there so I'm happy to give it to you um, but it's a jam-packed one so I'm really excited to share my conversation with Darren and really get to pick his brain about sports law and entertainment law and how he got into this space because he's a really cool origin story and it was so inspiring and he is one of the people that has really inspired me and encouraged me to pursue this non-traditional path that is 
has been already and I know will be so so rewarding and it has been so rewarding for him and I just love getting to follow his career and see what he's up to and I can't wait to move home and connect with him in person and be at events with him and just just by osmosis learn from his genius because this man is incredible and I really enjoy talking to him so I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing this conversation and if you are interested in sports entertainment law or social media law or IP intellectual property don't hesitate to reach out to me don't hesitate to reach out to him he is such a great friend and mentor and someone I really look up to and I know he looks forward to hearing this episode and hearing from all of you so without further ado meet Darren so you are a very well-known intellectual property lawyer and you do a lot of entertainment and sports law in Florida and actually connected with you on LinkedIn. I'm not actually sure how we got connected, but I'm really glad we did because I love seeing what you're up to. So how did you first get into law and then obviously how you got into what you do now? How I got into law is not all that surprising or exciting. I went to law school. I went straight through undergrad at University of Florida from 2003 to 2007, took no time off and enrolled at University of Florida Loving College of Law from 2007 to 2010. Interestingly, I never thought I would practice law. I actually entered with the belief that I was going to be a sports agent. And so I started a sports agency prior to enrolling, worked on building that throughout the three years of law school, never clerked at a law firm during that time, left, went back to South Florida, where I'm from decided I was going to spend every moment of every day building up that that sports agency, but then had an opportunity to go and meet, meet for lunch with some lawyers. And they asked what I was doing the next day. I explained working on my agency and they asked whether I'd come in and check out their firm. Didn't know it at the time, but I ended up working there for exactly a year. And during that year decided I'd rather pivot from being a sports agent to being a full-time lawyer. And that's really how I became a lawyer. It was doing a lot of insurance defense work and personal plaintiff personal injury and building up my own book of business in my spare time, a lot in the intellectual property side. And here I am uh, 11 years later. I think the other question is how how I got into NIL. Is that right? So how did you build a sports agency, I guess? And how did you know you wanted to go into that? Because you knew from a very young age from college and you did it before law school. And then, yeah, why a sports agent? And why, how'd you build a sports agency? And obviously that would eventually lead you to name, image, and likeness, but why the sports agency? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, So I actually knew I wanted to work in sports at a very early age. I figured I wanted to work in a way that would marry my interests of sports and like negotiating and arguing. I was very active in high school and and, uh, with the debate team. And so I was a poli-sci major in undergrad and I was trying to figure out how I could marry these two areas. Fortunately, was had a connection, a friend who was the niece of the owner of a big sports agency in Atlanta, Georgia. And I at first applied to be an intern there. I was rejected. Uh, I used my connection, my friendship to get a second interview and then was accepted. And it was that experience in the summer of 2005 that I really got my feet wet and learned a lot about the sports agency world and thought that that was my destiny, that that was what I was passionate about at the time. Went back to University of Florida for my junior year and uh, created what is called Sports Agent Blog, a a publication that covers the sports agent industry, still around today. 
16 years later. So that's sort of how I got my feet wet between that experience at Career Sports Entertainment in Atlanta and then starting Sports Agent Blog later that year. Um, two years after that, creating my own sports agency from scratch. I think that's there's so much within that alone, I think is really cool. Where in South Florida are you from, by the way? Uh, a little bit all around. I was born in Cooper City, moved to Sunny Isles and Aventura before ultimately ending up in Hollywood and going to high school in Davie. And um, now I'm, I'm back. I'm in Fort Lauderdale where I've been for over five years. Now. I'm from Miami. That's why I was curious when you said that, because I knew you were from Florida, but I didn't know where in Florida you were actually from or living. I spent some time in Brickell um, after law school. I spent about five, six years there and about half a year downtown. Miami. Yeah, very common at, at that age at that age range. But something that you said a lot, you used your connections and networking and playing up your strengths and using your strengths and your network to get you in the door and helping having that help you build what you want to do. So I actually have done some plaintiff's insurance work as well, funny enough, in law school. Um, but I want to go into entertainment and social media law, which is, I think, why we got connected originally. Because I, I was looking for people on LinkedIn that did that, that I can get connected with. For me, because I graduate now in May and I'm trying to figure out what do I go do when I graduate. But how did you, so you built a sports agency and then you were like, okay, I am going to do the law thing. You become a lawyer, you're doing def- insurance defense work and personal injury work. Um, how long are you there? And then when does that, you say you're like, you started building up a book of business clients started asking you for things. How did that come about? How did now you transition to doing intellectual property work and sports law? So my first job, I was there for exactly a year, um, a year after I started, uh, to the day I ended up leaving and joining another firm that was created from scratch. Uh, by an individual who had about 30 years experience in the entertainment industry as a lawyer. And we had talked from time to time in the past. Uh, My mom had actually taught his children when they were going through middle school. Uh, Very reputable individual who wanted to leave his firm, had left and create his own down in Brickell and um, really wanted a young, hungry associate to work with him and at the time I had started to be making a name for myself in sports and, you know, his entertainment with my sports seemed to complement each other. Uh, I remember working day one on folding chairs and folding tables and it was a nice office in Brickell uh, and really meeting with clients right away with those folding chairs and folding tables and trying to pitch them on why they should hire us. But it worked. I ended up working there for about three and a half years before starting my own law firm, Heitner Legal back in June, 2014. So we're almost coming up on eight years, which is kind of crazy. Uh, How did I build that book? I mean, you know, when I was a first year associate at that firm, I found that I could get through a lot of that insurance defense work pretty quickly and use the rest of my days to write about things that interested me, particularly in the realm of copyrights and trademarks and Um, work on gaining clients in those spaces and and infringement cases and helping out friends in areas where they may have struggles. And that was really how I started building a book, writing, writing, writing. That was very helpful over the years, whether it be through Sports Agent blog, a personal blog, Forbes, Inc. Magazine, 
above the law where I write now, et cetera. Uh, it's a great way to get your name out there. And that's really, that's really helped me build my book. Of business. Yeah. I saw on your LinkedIn a little while ago that you, you're a writer for some publications, which I think is really cool. And I have my own blog and now this, and I do share, you know, what I'm interested in. And I'm actually, I'm taking entertainment law right now. So we're actually just hit right of privacy and a little bit of NIL stuff. Um, and I'm also writing my expository on copyright and how it affects social media and whether there should be more copyright protection and helping monetize and like all of that. I'm doing a lot of research on that. So hopefully we'll be publishing that sometime next year. Um, so fingers crossed that that route works for me as well. But how did you get involved in the name, image, and likeness legislation? The big move that's been going on that's been brewing for a couple of years now, but really kind of this summer came to a head. How did that come about? I had written about it for quite some time, well prior to 2019, when there's there's starting to be action in California surrounding a movement to provide these rights to college athletes. So in writing about why these athletes deserve these rights for so long, uh, there was, there's a, a Florida legislator who represents my district. His legislative assistant reached out to me and said, you know, we're looking at what's going on in California. We think this is something we want to get behind in the state of Florida. We see what you've written about on the subject and your quote unquote influence in the space would you like to help us? Would you like to help brainstorm ideas, help draft the legislation, help promote it and be an ambassador for it? And I said, absolutely. So this was back around September, 2019. And, you know, it started with that. It led to legislation being introduced in the beginning of 2020, uh, going through the House and the Senate, ultimately becoming the first state to pass legislation with the July 1, 2021 effective date it being signed into law by Governor Ron DeSantis in June 2020. And then before you knew it, a year later, the doors opened up. And now all college athletes can benefit from their names, images, and likenesses. Yeah, I remember seeing when you and I think Dan Lust and a few other people I have on LinkedIn were, were going crazy when it came out um, last year and then also now this summer with everything that happened. So for someone who doesn't know what, name, image, and likeness is, and maybe doesn't understand why there was a push to have these student athletes be able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. Could you explain why that was so important to you and to them and to the industry? Well, it's so important because for, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, because the NCA wanted to do this, college athletes became a separate class of individuals when it came to name, image, and likeness, or more broadly, rights of publicity. Everyone, including their colleagues on campuses around the country, could benefit from their publicity rights, whether they're an influencer, a musician, an artist, or just an individual who, ha who happens to have a lot of followers on social media. Uh, there's, there's no restrictions that prohibit that individual from earning money whatever the market value is for that person's rights of publicity. And so I always looked at it as there never being any foundation for why we're singling out this class of individuals, especially because so many of them come from such depressed socioeconomic backgrounds and can desperately use the money. Uh, 
I work with many players now who are very fortunate to have that opportunity. And I see the real struggles that they even continue to have, even with having these rights in place. And so for decades, they were restricted and prevented from enjoying that. And I saw no justification whatsoever. So it was something that was very easy for me to get behind. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I very much want to get involved in it however I can. Um, and I actually, I work at a social media marketing agency part-time and we actually have a few athletes that we help manage their brand deals incoming. And, you know, whether I stay with them post-graduation or I go on to work either like at a company or a firm like yours or something else, I really want to stay within that entertainment law, sports law, social media law um, arena and work on stuff like that and helping people monetize off of their name, image, and likeness. That's why the creator economy and influencer marketing works so well, because you do get to monetize off that. And I agree, it wasn't fair that they don't get to have that right. Um, so it's really cool to see them be able to have it. And yeah, I can only imagine the issues that come with once you have those rights, being able to manage them and learn about them. And of course, having all this money now and not knowing what to do with it and investing it in and all of that. But for someone who wants to get into either being a sports agent or such a niche area of the law, like entertainment or sports law, um, what do you, what advice do you have? What could you, some tangible action steps for them? Well, yeah, you have to have the right expectations in place. It's a very, very difficult industry to break into, um, especially the more nuanced that you get. I mean, there's really only a handful, maybe a few more sports lawyers who are out there practicing in the space and, and doing that type of work day in, day out. Um, my suggestion is to always do your research, do your diligence, see who those people are, try to get as much experience as possible. If you can work under them, even if it's for free, get a better sense of what they do, how they do it, whether they're the type of people you would want to work for, whether it's even a subject that actually interests you, because oftentimes we think something will interest us and we actually test it out and we realize it's not a good fit. So practical experience is huge if you can get it. Otherwise, soak in as much knowledge as possible. The beauty is today you can follow people on Twitter, um, mainly Twitter, but maybe LinkedIn as well, and, and you know read about what they're writing and, and search online about recent cases in the realm of sports, entertainment, law, intellectual property, whatever may interest you. There's just so much information that's so easily accessible and oftentimes free. So I'd soak up as much information as possible. I would get that experience if you can and make genuine connections with people. Don't ask necessarily for things. See how you can provide value to them. Offer it. Offer it for free. It'll go a long way. That's such great advice. And again, the importance of networking and building that those connections. And I think I love that you said that not seeing what that they could offer you, but what you could offer them and being willing to work for free and really gain that knowledge for yourself, because even if you ultimately don't end up working with them, now you have that experience and you can take it to somewhere else, or you can build your own company later on as well. Um, I think that's really a great note. I definitely need to chat with you offline about <laughs> getting some experience in that once I'm back home. Um, and cause I definitely want to continue to work in that space, but what is an average day in your life, like a week in your life, what do you like, cause you do sports and entertainment law. And a lot of that is IP work and copyright and 
um, other intellectual property stuff. What else do you do within a sports law or entertainment law practice? And what does a day in your life look like? Everything and anything, transactional work, creating corporate entities, reviewing contracts, drafting contracts, um, protecting intellectual property, enforcing it, litigating it, um, civil litigation, arbitration cases, family law, although I don't personally touch it, my firm does, as well as criminal law. Um, you know, we, we are very hands-on uh, with a lot of things. I, I like to say we do so much that, that never gets or meets the public eye, and I like to keep it that way. And there's so much that we prevent uh, exploding. Uh, we, we solve problems before you're able to consume what it is that, that uh, revolves around those issues. And so um, a lot of which I obviously can't speak about, but it makes my job very interesting. My, my personal life, I mean, I wake up early. I'm always grinding out, responding to emails early on, hitting tasks. I have to go to the gym every day. I have to work out. It's just a, it's something that puts me in the right mind space. Um, and then I'm usually in my third floor working from home with the, in a beautiful environment in Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, during the week, this is usually where I am, at least in the past two years, not much travel, a lot of zoom. Um, and trying to spend as much time with family and, and enjoying the precious time that we have here. Yeah. I know your view right now is it, it looks a lot like my backyard at home and I'm just really wishing I was home right now. And instead of in my apartment at school, but you know, almost there seven months and I graduate and I'll be home. Um, which is crazy how time flies and yeah, you've had this firm now for eight years going on eight years what was it like building out that firm? How has it grown and where do you see it going next? Where do you see not just name, image, and likeness and your industry, but your, your firm and you running, steering the ship, where do you see it going? Yeah, look, I'm an early adopter. So what I've tried to do beyond, you know, what my core competency is, is be uh, a law firm that's sort of a a first mover in a lot of spaces. Uh, We were, one of the first to work heavily in the fantasy sports space where we still do a lot of work, uh, do a lot of work with non-fungible tokens, NFTs, and that space is booming. Uh, we've done a lot of work in the esports space, sports gaming. So I think, you know, just staying on top of the trends, making sure, you know, I continue to educate myself on what's hot and what really needs legal support. And then continuing to service the clients that we worked with for a long time. And just before you and I just started talking here, I was on the phone with a client that I've worked with for 11 years, uh, right when I first started. So those longstanding relationships matter more to me than anything. Um, in fact, you know, I wouldn't even mind if I just stayed with those clients that I've had five plus years, I'd be busy enough. But um, I love a lot of the new clients I take on in as well. I think the main strategy is quality over quantity. It's people always do their diligence or should before they hire lawyers. I think lawyers should be doing the same thing about their potential clients. Um, There's something to be said about like one to 2% of your clients can make up 99% of your heartaches. Um, (laughs) And it's about trying to minimize that. Yeah, that's very true. And that's really smart. And so what do you, with both of those. So what do you look for when you're hiring an intern or someone to come help you work with you and 
help service these clients? And then what do you look for when you're taking on new clients? What do I look for when I'm taking on new clients? Um, I definitely look for people who um, have an appreciation for what it is that I do, will respect my opinion and not try to um, tell me necessarily what's right. Um, you know, people who uh, I think aren't going to be taking up the vast majority of my time on a daily basis. You know, I, as much as I love constant communication, there is such a thing as being overbearing. Um, so, you know, it's, and, and, and making sure that they're the right people that also represent the values that I and my firm do. So as much research I can do on them as possible, I'll do before signing them on. Yeah, that's important. And I like that the values based. And I think that goes, people forget that a lot. Sometimes the values that, you know, you are a sum of the fact people you surround yourself closest with and, you know, those values, like they seep into who you are and it's all about perception. So for someone who wants to get into this area of the law, um, they want to start networking. They don't know how, how, like, where's a good place to start networking, meeting these people, who can they, you know, can they reach out to you if they want to work in this space? How do they get involved in this? And what do you look for when you're hiring new people to come help you do this? Well, how to reach out again, it goes back to what I said earlier. There's just so much, there's so many resources at your fingertips that you can communicate with almost anyone, whether it be by, by email or direct message on a social media platform by communicating on LinkedIn. Um, not everyone will respond and don't take you know, don't get upset over failure, you know, learn and move on. Uh, you have to, you have to be able to put your ego aside, especially in this business. What I look for, I look for really good communicators, very good writers, very passionate, motivated individuals. Um, perhaps people who already have some experience in practicing at a law firm, because a lot of the stuff that we do is quite complex at, the, at my firm. Um, so those are some of the things I look for. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know you have to go soon. A very busy man. What, if you had any resources, podcasts, blogs that you love to go to for your own self, like you like to learn, you always have to be with the times and knowing what's going on. Where do you go for your information? What's your best resource? And also what's a good piece of advice for someone who doesn't really know what they want to do, but has a few things that they're passionate about and they're just kind of wondering to figure out like, where do I go next? My answer to that question has actually changed over time as technologies have developed. My honest answer to that would be pull up my Twitter, which is my name, Darren Heitner, and look at who I follow and follow all of those people. <laughs> I only follow less than a hundred people on Twitter and I pretty much get all of my information from there. Um, so, you know, it's either there or um, I like going on to like Bloomberg Law has a good service that shows the latest cases and in like intellectual property, copyrights, trademarks. I think that's a really good, that's a good resource. But outside of that, just look at who I follow on Twitter. Yeah, that's smart. Um, I love a podcast and I, I like LinkedIn for articles. I love seeing what you, especially what you are posting and what, um, like my podcast is different. good. We've got some good old content. I haven't updated it in months, but there's some really good interviews on there. 
Yeah. I need to check yours out. I love learning on podcasts because it's a great way to learn while you're doing something else, but you're still like passively picking up information. Um, so, so, and, uh, I don't use Twitter very much anymore. Um, it's a dark hole for a lot of people sometimes, but, um, but it's, if you curate, yeah, if you curate who you're following that that's helpful. And that's something I've been doing a lot, especially on social media platforms. Um, particularly Instagram, but smart to keep it under a hundred. Um, where with the name image and likeness now becoming a big thing, Florida was the first to pass the law. Other States have followed suit. Where do you see that legislation going that, um, those rules, the NCAA rules on college athletes being able to monetize and endorsement deals and the opportunities available to them. Where, where do you see that growing in the future? Hard to say. The NCA has a very basic interim policy that basically says that um, there has to be quid pro quo, that the athletes have to be providing something in return for the money, that they can't be getting compensation in return for enrolling at a university, and that there can't be performance-based incentives. Um, I'm not sure necessarily where we go from there, but we may see a federal law at some point. It just seems like Congress can't get it together so that the Republicans and Democrats are aligned. Um, on that note, I have to run uh, a meeting. Yeah. Live for a meeting, but it was a pleasure. No, oh, thank you so much. Where can everyone find you really fast before you go? Uh, Darren Heitner on Instagram and Twitter. My name on LinkedIn. HeitnerLegal.com is my uh, website. Perfect. Thank you so much. Right. It was such a pleasure speaking. Thank to you. Me. Take care. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this short episode. I love giving you guys a short one here and there because I know a lot of my episodes tend to be longer, but I just genuinely love having these conversations with people. And it's so crazy to me that it's been seven months of doing the Let's Get Candid podcast. And this is episode 30. I don't know where the time has gone, but I truly am so grateful for this podcast these conversations that I get to have, especially a conversation like this one. Darren is so incredible, so knowledgeable, someone I really look up to. And there's so many good tidbits in here. And even if you don't want to go into the sports and entertainment world, there's so much good advice here about figuring out what you want and know that there isn't really one route of finding what you want or getting to where you want to be. You're going to have to do a little trial and error. You're going to have to do things that maybe you didn't think you wanted to do to get where you want to be. So there's so much great information on here. I'll link all of his info in the show notes. Go follow him. Go connect with him. Go chat with him. There's so, so much great info that he puts out on Twitter and LinkedIn. So highly, highly recommend, especially if you're interested in sports and entertainment law or intellectual property like I am. And yeah, it's been 30 episodes, seven months, and it's officially 36 days till graduation, which is absolutely insane. And I'm off to go get my nails done, get a COVID test because I'm off to the Bahamas to celebrate Easter with my family this weekend. And I picked up my graduation robes today to take my grad photos next week. Like how crazy is that? So many great things going on. I can't wait to continue sharing with you guys on the podcast as they happen and follow me on Instagram. So you know what's going on in real time at Kaylin Rand. Follow the podcast at the Let's Get Candid podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And Please subscribe to the show. Please share with a friend. Tag us if you share when you're listening. Don't forget to tag Darren so he sees that you love this episode. And thank you guys so, so much for listening. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye.